So the solution essentially that came to my mind was that you force the user who wants to mint the NFT, who wants to make the purchase transaction, they have to do essentially mining off-chain first. So the rationale was there that it solves it solves the network congestion because you can make adapt the mining difficulty to the demand. So essentially the more people who want to get the next NFT rather than just all trying to slam the network with the same purchase transaction, trying to add each other. They all slam their own computer with, with mining computations. The rest of the network's fine. Like everyone's off doing the DeFi, having a good day, gas prices below 50. All these people who just want that next NFT, they, you know, depending how you design the mining difficulty algorithm, they could they could be working all day on it. They it can adjust. There's a lot, there's a lot of nuance that could be done there. But the point is, whatever that demand is, it happens off-chain. So it doesn't affect network congestion really at all. Like there, there'll be one person who eventually successfully mines it, like whose computer finds the solution and they have to put a transaction through. And they'll probably put it through at a high gas cost because they want it to get through. But one transaction at high gas isn't gonna isn't gonna blow the whole network up. It would be a blip. Welcome to Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel, where we explore projects in decentralized finance that are innovating and driving our mission of financial freedom forward. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review Mission DeFi and spread the word by posting a tweet to the show. All opinions expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests are their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Black Knox, Material Indicators, or any other affiliated organizations. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Brad Nickel or his guests as an inducement to make a particular investment, follow a particular strategy, or become involved with any project. A project being featured on the show is not an endorsement of that project in any way. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Now, here's Mission DeFi with Brad Nickel. I'm excited today to have on my show our first kind of NFT related guest. I've got Andrew Parker from POW NFT, which is a really cool generative art project that utilizes in-browser mining to generate NFTs. So I'm going to let him tell you the details of what it's all about, but it's it's very cool. Andrew, thank you for joining us. First, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the mess that is crypto and the... <laughs> And, and why POW NFT exists. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I think like everyone, I got, you know, it's a roundabout story of getting there. I started back in the 2017 run-up. Okay. So I, I sort of never really looked at, at crypto before and someone introduced me to the concept of arbitrage. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, that's basically free money. Okay. So once I understood what that was, I was like, I can, you can write a bot back in the day there was not a lot of people trading so you could write a bot to just do arbitrage trading on exchanges and it was just like picking fruit so nice um 
Yeah, so that was literally how I got introduced to the space. Like I didn't actually know anything about the, the, the crypto tech. I was just like, all right, I run a script. It makes free money. Good. But that all kind of got blown up at the end of that bubble because a bunch more sophisticated people with better resources kind of started stealing my <laughs> fruit. So I decided to dig a little bit deeper and then pretty soon came across Ethereum. And it just kind of, I just remember it blew my mind. I just remember I was just walking, listening to a podcast. I was like, holy shit, that's a, that's a thing. Um, were you a developer prior, I gather, if you were writing a script for arbitrage? Yeah, so I've been a dev, I'd been a dev for about 15 years at the time, but nothing in finance. I was working in engineering software simulation stuff. So completely unrelated. It was just a weird it was just it's one of these things that like the, the basics of it is pretty simple. It's just it's just matching numbers on, on different databases. So Yeah. Uh, are you yeah. are you are you like full time in crypto? Are you still working in the real world or well, this is the thing. Up until recently, I have been. So up until sort of the end of end of last year, or up until my NFT, actually, I still had a regular old person's job. And then that kind of went pretty well, which didn't, you know, it, it didn't make me a millionaire overnight. I couldn't like stop working for the rest of my life, but it gave me enough of a parachute to kind of sit back and think. And then I kind of just got poached into crypto through it. Someone's like, you made this and work for us. So now- Oh, I'm, nice. Now I'm, yeah. <laughs> That's all. Wait, so you you created Pow NFT and then that's how you got the gig? Yeah, they just kind of saw nice. it's a it's a it's a NFT gig. So it's that's it's a awesome. Called Big Head Club. Gotta, called what? Give them a shout out. It's a company called Big Head Club. So they're the ones behind uh, Stoner Cats, which some of your listeners might have heard of. Sure. Um, it's a good gig. Nice. Um, what are you um, doing for them? I'm just the just smart dude behind the keyboard. That's kind of my general thing. <laughs> The, the techie dude, the NFT guy. The, the smart dude behind the keyboard. That's awesome. I love that. That's great, man. Very cool. All right. So, so you're you're doing arbitrage. That kind of goes away because a gazillion people with lots of resources started picking out those opportunities. I, I remember I gave a run with a couple of arbitrage scripts because I'm not a developer and gave that up pretty quickly. So I'm glad you made a little bit on it. But I love the fact that I, I mean, I think this happens a lot in, in DeFi and crypto is that we are so merit-based that people are getting positions and roles because they pr just prove what they're capable of, right? And POW NFT is such a cool concept in how you created it and how people get access to the NFT. So can you kind of give us, uh, first tell us kind of how it came about and then give us the overview of how it works. And then I'd love to walk through the high points in your Medium article about what you see as the advantages and why, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess like the the, the lead into this is the cap to the, the origin story is like once I got into Ethereum, I was just discovering, I was sort of in on a sort of process of discovery and I came across the 721 standard. That's the NFT standard. Right. It was still in draft at the time. So I started writing a big series of just articles, like this is what it is, this is how you do it. Just just trying to learn through teaching kind of thing. And that kind of just got me this really, you know, you write, you basically write how to do something, you have to know it properly. So that means back at the start of 2018, I just became fluent in NFTs at a time yeah. when no one cared about them. Like That's awesome. Yeah, you could, it was not a useful skill set to have back then. But it just means like every time I'd be working on a project, it would just be bouncing around my head just as a given in the way that like a coder will just take certain like coding realities as a given. Like, of course, I have variables in my head. It's like, of course, that's how NFTs work. Doesn't necessarily get used for anything, but it was just, it was just really fun, like foundational knowledge, which 
kind of I could build upon. So I was actually the origin of Power NFT. I was working on something completely unrelated to NFTs. I was working on, it was a system involving IPFS and linking things together with hashes. And I think I had that going on brain. I was trying to crack a specific problem there. I had a podcast going and, and it was like back in February. So just everyone was talking about NFTs. Like you could not switch on the TV without hearing the word. And I think just the, the right combination of things, I just, you know, the, the sun hit my coffee in the right direction. Just it all sort of clicked together. I was like, oh my God, like this, this, this thing is going to solve so many different problems in this space. Yeah. So to explain to listeners, basically what it is, is, I don't know, there's two ways to go about it. There's one way to, to raise, to explain the problems first or to explain the solution first. Um, um, yeah, I think, I think kind of go through the problems that you saw. I mean, was that the orientation of creating it or was creating it kind of like it'd be really cool if you could mine nfts in your browser or was it hey i see these problems in the nft space i want to solve them with this from a technical perspective i think well i think all the problems that it addressed were things that really bothered me personally like so the to, the, the main three problems that it addresses are i think we're all probably familiar now with gas prices which is a thing that ethereum does when you're trying to have a good day. So essentially <laughs> there's a finite number of transactions that can happen on it, on the Ethereum network basically. And the more people trying to get through that doorway at once, you essentially just have to pay more to get through the door. That's a very simplified version. And I'm sure the people who know better know it that, but, but essentially, so you get gas spikes. So you, you know, you get all this demand for things and, and people, the way the, the mechanism that we have to decide order of transactions essentially is, oh, that's a bad wording. The mechanism we have to decide who gets through the door is with by bidding by outbidding each other. So that can cause real big problems when there's just large sudden events on chain, which it's happened this week. I think gas prices was was somewhere in the order of six hundred just yesterday. Yeah, they I were nuts because yeah, and I, I'm, I'm pretty, just I trying to compound yields and and going crazy. Anyway, go ahead. But I, but I think that was caused by a, an NFT drop. As far yeah. as I'm aware, I could be wrong yeah. about that. Yeah, which and and it's I don't know, it just feels it feels wasteful to me, and it's obviously a problem. Like it, it basically makes the the network unusable for people who are trying to do other things at the time. Yeah. So that's a huge problem, and I think everyone acknowledges that problem. And even now, people are starting to really think like, how do we tackle this NFT? Another one, which probably a lot of people who work in DeFi are familiar with, is front running, which is the vein of my existence that I learned in back in my arbitrage days. Like that's, that's who stole my, that's who stole my joy there. Sure. Um, like front, like, you know, it's, it's an inevitable part of the arms race of crypto that's going to happen. But it, I don't think if you, if you view any like network like this, as the purpose of it is to facilitate the transactions, then it's not actually helping, you know, like someone's like letting you making you do all the work to find the beneficial transaction and just swooping at the last minute. That's, I don't think that's, I don't know, this is probably uh, an ideological thing, but I don't think that's actually beneficial to the network or just that's not just a good thing. So that was another thing that I, I that had been bouncing around my mind. And the, the, the third one, which was more, this is more a conceptual thing, but I, I kind of don't like the artificial scarcity of, of some NFT projects where ah. they will, they'll, they'll specify this is how many of these things they're going to be. And you have to have scarcity, of course, because like scarcity is a key part of, of any sort of value. You can't have any value in an infinite resource. But it just felt quite arbitrary that you could almost fake 
the demand for a thing by intentionally setting the scarcity below uh, a certain threshold. And again, you have to you have to have some scarcity there, but just the 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 fact that it was so manufactured really didn't sit well with. I don't know. I think kind of the way I perceive crypto in general is this kind of decentralized, much more fair marketplace. Sure. Of, of, of everything. And so those were just all things that just generally bug me about, about NFTs. So on the, on the artificial scarcity, I, I mean, I think I kind of understand where you're coming from on that from you're talking about kind of like randomly saying there are this many of this and this many of this, or are you kind of talking more about, well, no, I guess that's the real question from, you know, I, I guess it's, it's a, it's a weird thing because we're so used to emission rates in crypto with tokens and everything else that the fact that these projects have to say we will have x number and x number your point really is is that setting that is more of a game of trying to game the price as opposed to hey let's put this out there right so i can see where you where pow pow nft actually resolves that because it's just generated so anyway go ahead sorry yeah yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, yeah. So my issue is essentially that I think it's more it's more visible with NFTs because they're such, because they're very tangible things. Yep. Uh, in crypto, you don't necessarily get a lot of tangibility, but they're quite tangible to look at. And, you know, at the end of the day, the developer chooses to type 10,000 instead of 999,000 as, sure. as the limit. So I think that's that's really what, what kind of just, I don't know, ground against my sense of sort of what how things should work. But again, I should really stress, I do believe like fundamentally you have to have scarcity for anything to be worth anything. So I'm not I'm not saying there should be infinite NFTs. Got it. Yeah, but what uh, you're saying is 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 there what you said to yourself was, I think, I, I shouldn't say what you said to yourself, but what you were saying to yourself was, is there a way to solve the false or artificial scarcity problem? by utilizing processing and computation to to generate the NFTs. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, and that's that's basically what it was. So the solution essentially that came to my mind was that you force the user to who wants to who wants to mint the NFT, who wants to make the purchase transaction. They have to do essentially mining off-chain first. So it is I don't know how familiar users will be with mining. It's a pretty fundamental concept in in blockchain. It's what all proof of work chains like Bitcoin and Ethereum use. Right. I think most people um, understand solve a math problem, be the first one, get the block. Yeah. 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 There's a thousand five minute YouTube videos that will explain it to you. So yeah. So the rationale was there that it solves it solves the network congestion because you can adapt the mining rate to the demand. Uh, sorry, you can make, adapt the mining difficulty to the demand. So Essentially, the more people who want to get the next NFT, rather than just all trying to slam the network with the same purchase transaction, trying to outbeat each other, they all slam their own computer with, with mining computations. The rest of the network's fine. Like everyone's off doing the DeFi, having a good day, gas prices below 50. All these people who just want that next NFT, they, you know, depending how you design, design the mining difficulty algorithm. It could they could be working all day on it. They it can adjust. There's a lot. There's a lot of nuance that could be done there. But the point is, whatever that demand is, it happens off chain. So it doesn't affect network congestion really at all. Like there, there'll be one person who eventually successfully mines it, like whose computer finds the solution, and they have to put a transaction through. And they'll probably put it through at a high gas cost because they want it to get through. But one transaction at high gas isn't gonna isn't gonna blow the whole network up. It would be a blip. 
Right. And the really cool, so this is really clicking for me at this moment. The really cool, because I, I, I didn't quite realize it, but the really cool thing here is, is that, you know, typical NFT launch, here they are, right? So everybody comes in to mint all 10,000 of them in the set all at once because they think this thing's going to skyrocket. It's the next apes or penguins or whatever, right? Whereas with yours, you've got to earn it. And so you're you're running in your browser a computation. And I will say that you've put in checks. I read in the documentation, you put in checks so it's not sucking your RAM out of your browser when the browser needs it, which is cool. But you're essentially creating a mining operation where people are going to earn them at different times. So one may earn one now, one may earn one six hours later, one may earn one 10 seconds later, but they aren't all being purchased at the same time, right? And so that's exactly. when the NFT comes in. Yeah, then you're going to pay, then you're going to be putting it on the block and you're going to be um, paying your gas fees and you're subject to whatever happens out there in the world that's going on at that moment, but you're not ingesting the network. You're not doing everything on the network. Yeah, precisely. And there's actually one, one of the elements of the mining calculations includes the hash of the previously mined token, which means it just, it adds that separation. It means that the, the overall mining rate is essentially the number of people mining multiplied by the difficulty or divided by difficulty. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, but that's exactly right. What you just said then it is, the idea was to separate it in time, like to, to just spread the demand out as much as possible, sort of just smooth it. And yeah, so that's, that, I mean, that, that, and that's a huge one there. Like there, there are projects now who are trying to solve this and some people have interesting ideas, you know, there's, there's a lot of different methods that people are trying. One, which I think went all right the other day, tried and I think succeeded at sort of lowering the lowering the gas used in the initial cost of the transaction. Like, so you, you pay less to just get in the door, but you don't get your NFT. And so that's kind of, you know, that's a good, that's a good step in the right direction. It shows that people are trying to fix this problem, but it still kind of assumes we're going to have a stupid gas war, which which I don't think is is a full solution. Right. So now relative to that, is this something you could deploy on Polygon or another EVM compatible chain? Is that something or 721 compatible chain? I'm not going to pretend to, I'm super familiar with other with other chains, but the like the mining process is not specific to Ethereum. Like you might have to yeah. change my code a little bit if if you if you know those other chains, but no, there's nothing. There's nothing unique about this. In fact, in the white paper, I was very explicit saying, like, please, other people do this. Like, nice. the, more, the more that this is going on, the better we all are. It's kind of Hell like, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like having, I don't know, a, a fire department in town. Like, it's better not just for you. It's, it's better for everyone. Yeah, it's better for um, the whole community. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, I, I'm actually, my mind is going 100 miles per hour right now with, with concepts around this. So so those were the problems you want to solve. How, how, I mean, was this a massive undertaking once you realized, okay, wait a minute, I want to create mining capability in the browser that's resource sensitive, that will actually generate generative NFTs, right? I mean, this sounds like some serious, a serious amount of work. Yeah, look, it was a stressful couple of weeks, sort of, it was one of these things where the there's there's a lot of elements in it. So there's a lot of things that work in, in tandem with each other. And once it hit me, it sort of seemed so obvious that it was inevitable. Like once I realized how many things it solved, I was like, 
there's no way someone else isn't trying to do this right now. <laughs> so I essentially, I just accepted, like, I'm not going to be able to sleep until I get this done. Right. Uh, so I think I spent, I think I spent like, I sort of knocked it out in, in two and a bit weeks, but I did not sleep. Like sort of told my job that I was at the time, like, cool, I'll see you in a bit. Sort of just... I'm obsessed. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's funny. People don't talk about this very much, but I, I've been in startup and tech for 25 years. And one of the things that people don't realize is that often what what drives people so hard to get something out as rapidly as possible, yeah, sure, they want to make money on it or they want to do whatever, but it's the fact that they want to be the one that did it first, right? Yeah. And and there are so many incredibly smart developers out there, and ideas tend to come at the same time because problems are rearing their head or whatever, that a lot oftentimes the pace of startups happens first because you want to be the first one out. Yeah, right. I mean, I can empathize with that a lot because <laughs> that's just, that, that's all I was. I was I was Googling, like every day when I sit down at my computer, I just Google like proof <laughs> of work NFT, see if anyone else kind of like, no, cool. I got another day. So yeah. so when did you launch it? Oh, I think it was back in March, I believe. Um, okay. So some time ago now. Yeah, it's, it was a bit of a, it was an interesting cycle. So a lot of these, a lot of the concepts in it are obviously pretty novel. So it's one of these weird things where NFTs, I mean, crypto in general, but NFTs is a very hype driven uh, space. You know, a lot gets done because of hype and yeah. kind of the nature of this whole thing is very much anti-hype. You know, you put too much pressure on like, if, they, if it gets a lot of demand, I think going back to what we were saying before about the artificial scarcity, like as long as there are more tokens out there than people want, that will kind of create this reinforcing hype feedback loop. Right, but we kind of have a process which deflates any sort of, well, not deflates, but just like smooths out any sort of hype. So yeah. it's been interesting. So we we had this whole process, period right at the start where where it did it was like steady, like mining was going. It's basically a two minute theoretical limit because, or maybe one minute theoretical limit because you can't have two in one block, like because one transaction a block will cause the next one to fail if two people get it at the same time. So you essentially need enough time for the next person to see a transaction and mine the next block. So it's yeah, basically like you can't really get one more than every two minutes, even in the most theoretically crazy world where everyone in the world is trying to do this. So there was a couple of weeks, I think, where it was going at that rate. I was like, this is way more than I expected. Like I thought this would trickle out. And I kind of designed because a lot of the the difficulty grows in, you know, it, it, the, the mind difficulty grows the more NFTs that there are. And I kind of designed it on a curve thinking like, all right, no one's going to care about this. Like, who the hell am I? I'm just some random dude making a thing. I thought, you know, we'd get a couple of hundred in the first weeks and it would sort of curve up. So it was kind of crazy. It sort of just blew up. Got a got a lot of people. I think people really recognized the value of it though. Like that's the cool thing. And yeah, we, we flew. We had, we had a couple of thousand tokens in the first week. And it's nice. kind of, yeah, it's kind of ebbed and flowed since then. I think we're just rounding 5,700 now. Wow. had a few little peaks and trough over that time it's a bit it's it's really interesting as well though because i think going back to that whole hype thing no one's ever i mean i i'm pretty active in the discord and stuff and I'm, i do watch all the tweets that come in about anytime someone discovers a project and you know has something nice to say about it it's never like relevant to the moment it's not like oh this is the thing for now it's always like this is a thing that's good for these reasons and it has nothing to do with the time there so it kind of Every time I read one of those comments, it kind of reinforces like, all right, good. That that means that's I've what done I wanted. something. Right. Yeah. 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 
Um, no, that's awesome. Okay, so about fifty eight hundred. Has anybody sold one in the secondary market? Oh yeah, there's. It's it's really interesting actually. So probably the one thing that I got wrong in my whole like just just my predictions about the economics of this is I assumed that the mining cost would be so to mine one of these you pay you'd have to mine it and have to pay a mint cost as well, which okay. which both which both escalate with time in essentially essentially to disincentivize more and more people from getting them until. It's just not worth getting new ones anymore. So, so there's I a mint thought, cost and a gas fee cost once you mint. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I always thought, all right, well, the mint cost is always going to be less than the floor price because surely the floor price is just the mint cost plus whatever the perceived value of mining is. So I thought that's more, but I kind of neglected to weight in like the extent to which people value different rarities of different NFTs because it's such a collector's market. People, people will think, you know, certain ones are worth more, certain ones are left worth less. Because I should sell, I don't know if we've made it clear to your listeners, but the artwork of these NFTs is they're generative artworks sort of based around depictions of atoms. They also have generative music in them. So different ones do have d different perceived values to different people. And it's it's crazy. So like, I think a floor price right now is only like 0 0.08, 0 0.09. But I think the highest sale has been like three or four ETH. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of crazy. I just, I, I guess that's I'm amazing. not much of a collector. Yeah, I just didn't think. Well, that. I so really want, yeah. I really want the Nick. The, these are you've got elements, right? So I, I, I was like, okay, how long am I going to have to mine to get the nickel element? Right. Since, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so, so these are generative, but they're they're music and animations, right? And. Yeah. What was it? I mean, did you have to do a lot of work to build that part of the engine as well, right? Is that something that you were able to use other people's code and then plug in what you wanted it to generate? No, so I've, I mean, I'm one of the, some people know these types of codes, like people who like to do everything themselves. Like I'm, I'm not a big okay. fan of libraries in general. Like I'll stick away from frameworks. I'll drag my feet. And then once I find one, then I'll stick with it. But I'll avoid it at all costs. But I thought that was especially true with this because I think when you're designing an NFT, if you're kind of buying into the maxi logic of like, this is the future of something, you kind of want it to be whatever you're doing now to be accessible as long as possible. Like you don't want to use some flash in the pan library yeah. that's going to be- That gets killed. Yeah. yeah. So- Makes um, sense. So I was, yeah, I mean that's that way. It's you know you're kind of like doing this job for future digital archaeologists. So I made the conscious decision I'm not going to use anything apart from like browser JavaScript. Like any like I want these things to be able to work just with with no libraries, nothing, just whatever like the browser gives you. So the luckily I've kind of got a bunch of years of of working with this sort of stuff. So like you know I can write JS in my sleep. Nice. Um, and visual JS, like stuff that's visual. Uh, the music, that was a that was an afterthought. So like we I, I built the whole main project, like the all the blockchain stuff, all the, the atom stuff, that was in about three weeks. Then after we were launched, I was like, we've got this really pure source of randomness, which is the result of the mining thing, which we're using for this like art visual artwork, which is cool, but like we can do something cool with audio there. So I got in contact with a musician, like a, a digital musician, I don't know, it's probably not the right term, a synth musician called Squid, who I know. And I just basically like, hey man, 
I want to build this cool thing. Like, do you want to put music in NFTs? It was a it was a huge task. Like, I spent we spent more time building in the music <laughs> layer than the entire rest of the project. I think it was two months of my life just spent. Wow. Yeah. Wait. Was, so the musician gone. does the musician write like pieces that get put together? How, I mean, can you kind of give me an idea on that? Yeah. So this this process was like a real like fusion of our two skill sets. So he nice. is not a coder. Like he works with physical synthesizers. So he, you know. Knobs and dials, yeah, yeah. things that I don't understand. Yeah, and has he has yeah several years worth of experience working that, and with you know the sort of computer-based digital music. So he understands that side of it as well as I understand the code side of it. So I sort of said like, look, you don't have to worry about this code. I'll write it. Let's just sit down and just make this happen. So he'd sort of explain different ways that things can be generated or broken up. And then I would interpret that as, as code. I'd bring it back to him, like, how about this? And then, so it was, it was very much, it was not just exchanging ideas. Like he explained how to generate music from randomness without actually knowing it. Is that, I don't know if that's a That's crazy. But, yeah, it's yeah. like so hard to put my head around because it's like, so you're saying essentially he kind of thinks through what could happen. And so he's got it because ultimately in order for music to actually sound halfway decent, that's just generated, there has to be some synergy between the notes and the timing that gets generated. So I'm assuming that's part of what he has to generate, right? It's like, and, and okay. Yeah, that's, that's it. Like that's the, that's the crazy thing. Like there's so many things that we implemented, which if I'd been left on my own, it's not a matter of, I would have got there eventually. I would, I didn't have a concept of these things. Got that it. Into it. Like, yeah. you know, there's processes which you could put on what is effectively random data is like, okay, take that random data, but like do this to it. And it just sounds like a melody and it's incredible. That's amazing. And this is the thing. Yeah. Like these aren't, these tracks aren't just sort of random melodies. Like they're fully fledged tracks with structure, and different, you know, repeating phrases. Like it was amazing. Like that's cool. Through this, yeah, I actually loved it. Some of my, the most brilliant developers I've known in my life have been awesome musicians. So I, you know, I think that that tie-in is really cool, and it's cool that you guys could collaborate that out. That's awesome. Yes. In, I didn't catch this completely. Is there some inherent value? I saw something about the minting fee or some of the ETH that there was some value tied to the people that had previously minted? Oh yeah. So I do, none of the minting fees go directly to me. They get split equally among all like tokens from all previous generations. So yeah. So each, each basically each time the number of tokens doubles, that's what we call a generation. And that's when the minting, the minting cost and the mining difficulty both increase by different orders of magnitude. But yeah, but all the all the mint fees go just the exact same amount to every single atom from every single previous generation. And if you happen to be the guy or gal that owns that, you can just withdraw it at any time, as many times as you like. So you can let it. But it just gets dropped in their wallet. No, no, it doesn't get dropped in their wallet. So it just it just sits in the NFT. So oh wow, um, yeah, you can just drain it at any time. It'll just keep filling up again. How um, do you go about draining it? There's just a function. It's just a, a smart contract function. You just you just specify. This is getting on the weeds, but essentially, it, you just say, "Hey, I want to take the ETH out of this one." It will right. check if you're the person who owns it, and if you are, it's like, "Cool, we'll take it." Um, so, as the user, though, how do you initiate that? Like, if somebody's not technical to oh, there's a yeah. So you just go to the website, you log into the website, nice. and if you have any, it'll know if you have any in your collection. We'll say, "Hey, like, do you want to take it out?" There'll be a button that says "Withdraw." It'll say how much ETH is in there. 
that's a cool concept. Did you consider making it? So there's a project I know of that has built in, they tied a token sale to somewhat functional NFTs, right? But the re proceeds from the token sale and the tokens were used to buy the NFTs, but the proceeds from the token sale were embedded in the value of the NFTs spread out based on the rarity of the NFTs. And then in order to get that Ethereum though, you had to burn the NFT, right? And so the more people that burned NFTs, when you burned NFTs, you were charged a 15% penalty and that money went into the kitty for everybody else that hadn't burned their NFTs. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I, I wonder if you had, when I first saw that, I thought, oh, I wonder if they have to burn their NFT in order to, to drain it. But that's actually cool because you get to keep your NFT and you don't have to burn it in order to get the reward. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting concept you phrase there because obviously they're also playing with the idea of scarcity there. So yeah. they're creating more scarcity by, by shrinking the pool, which I think is really interesting. This is kind of the same goal with the exact opposite approach so right we're like we're taking the ETH from the new minters and distributing that so it, it kind of has this it has this playoff of i think i think in any blockchain based project you have to understand incentives yeah um, like oh, of course most thing like it, it, before you don't every have every aspect of life code. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> incentives <laughs> is just the most important thing if you can't balance incentives you just you, you shouldn't have showed up for the ball game so I think that the the idea with with a lot of this is to put opposing incentives in a lot of different points and just sort of let the emergent behavior decide. So the, the the opposing incentives there are on the one hand, if you you know if you hold on to it, if you get in now, you can hopefully get more later. But I'm going to say that again. the The balance there is that. The earlier you are, the more likely you are to accrue some ETH, some ETH from your atoms. Mm -hmm. However, I have an opposite incentive where the most rare atoms that you can mine don't unlock until later on in the project. So oh. the rarest set of yeah, so like essentially the rarest tokens haven't even been unlocked yet because they won't nice. until the next uh, generation. So nice. it kind of it kind of pushes those two <laughs> groups of people against each other, and and I think I think it's key because. If it's if you don't have those sorts of things, if you don't have an equal beneficiary for every actor in the equation, then it just becomes one sided, and then you'll just have the disadvantaged group just leave. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, the reason people are still mining to this very day is because they think, well, cool. I, you know, I I want to get the rare one. Like there's a there's a one there that sold for however many ETH yesterday, and I think people are thinking. If I'm the one who's lucky enough to mine the next one of them, I'm going to flip it. Well, it's interesting too, the idea that somebody may like, you know, have 10 private browser tabs open trying to mine as many as possible. I guess you'd have to have multiple wallets. But but the interesting thing is, is you've got to calculate in how much you're going to end up paying for every one of those versus how much you could potentially earn and then how much you push out the difficulty and and getting other people to actually start doing it so you're earning on it right i love all the games that could be played with this yeah and that's the thing and it's i think it's really interesting like different people are drawn to the project for different aspects like some people love the the sort of tokenomics of it like some people like that there's eth and there's different sort of ways of of calculating that but then some people are just in it for the artwork some people just love 
the visuals of it and the collectability. Like some people, I know that at least one person is trying to get one of every atom. Some people just love the music. And I think because there's kind of an ecosystem of different like groups of demand coming in there, it also does help to create this sort of emergent just you I I, I cannot predict it. I'm I'm always surprised by by some of the choices people make. Yeah. So this whole thing, like I've got, I've been writing down a few questions as I went here because I see a lot. So I know you just took a gig because you got a gig because of this thing, right? But I actually see so many potential uses of what you've built, right? I like, like the idea, and I don't know how ap applicable it is, but the idea of being able to mine in the browser in a reasonable way that's not resource intensive, right? Not taking up additional electricity that you weren't already taking up because your browser is open on your desktop. That obviously could be applicable to potentially to other NFT projects, could be applicable to tokens, could be applicable to all kinds of things, right? It could be applicable to governance models. It could be something where, you know, you've got to earn these NFTs in order to have a governance and a say potentially in your project. I, I almost, I really see so much of what you built as an engine that could be utilized in a lot of ways by different projects. Is that something you've, you've thought about kind of taking this thing and saying, hey, you know, you can utilize this for this or hey game, you guys wanted to generate NFTs. Well, why don't you make sure that people are actually earning the NFTs by their actions in the game? I've got an engine that can load, you know, do this. I, is that been part of your thought process, taking this further? I mean, I, yeah, I've always been very vocal. Like I would love to see this in more places for that exact reason, because it, I think it is, I think it is a good mechanic, which can, you know, take some of that, some of that energy, that proof of, it's kind of like proof of energy. That's why it's called proof of work, but like take some of that energy off chain. I, I know actually at least one other project has had a crack at, and it was quite sad to see, like they, they kind of had a, a disaster with unrelated technical issues uh, so i kind of you know was watching very keen like come on like i need another contender here i want to see you know <laughs> i want to see this ecosystem start and to sort of i i felt really bad for the for the people when i saw how it ended because it was nothing to do with the mining tech the mining tech that they implemented was actually pretty clever somewhat different to the way i've done it so yeah i think i just see all kinds of potential applications of this right to the simplest of hey let's let's mint nfts and tokens utilizing this methodology as opposed to typical proof of work or proof of stake methodologies right let's utilize this engine which has this built-in value generator right so it, it it pushes a community to push if this engine was used in some other way it pushes a community to actually engage and get people in because the more people that get in and take part in the mining process the more money everybody makes and whatever the purpose is for the project gets spread more I, I just this to me just sounds like an engine that could be utilized for a lot of cool things i could see you having an entire project around the engine right then i take it a step further and i start thinking about functionality in nfts right which we haven't even scratched the surface of we we and i'm no expert in the capabilities of 721 but but i do know that the potential for functional nfts is incredible and tying an engine like this and you've already kind of done the generative thing with with music and art and video um 
I think has also incredible potential. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, is have you thought about just kind of taking this thing and running with it as a full blown, this is an engine that can be utilized for a lot of things. We're going to continue to develop this and work with partners to implement it in other projects. Yeah. I don't want to say no. Like I would, yeah, this is the thing I've, I would love that. That would be cool. However, part of me is like surprised that people just haven't done it. I don't know. To me, it seems so easy. I mean, it's so Maybe obvious. This is the eyes of the dev. Like, you know, once you're in the project, it seems obvious. But to me, I thought, because like none of the code is secret. Like the smart contracts up there. I wrote several technical articles explaining exactly how it worked. I thought this would happen. I mean, there have been, people have floated the idea of white labeling it, which, yeah, I think I, probably the, the main thing stopping me isn't, like that I don't think that it's good or that people want it. It's that I'm not, I don't want to package it. I think I don't want to, I don't want it to be Microsoft Windows. I want it to be Linux. I just want it to be out there. Yeah, I get that. But I, here's the thing. Most people are going to be reluctant. I think reluctant to, I think people can figure out from your technical documentation what you've done. But also key to this is you, right? It, it doesn't matter if you gave out if you could record everything in your brain that occurred when you developed this thing and put it out there, ultimately it's about Andrew had the vision already and Andrew probably has a vision of where else he would take it. I think that's why people don't always jump on something because this is not, I mean, I guess it could get to that point, right? Multi, you know, everyone thought they could do Ethereum better after it had been out. And so they tried to do Ethereum better, right? So certainly someone's going to say, I can try to do this better. But I think ultimately, you know, it's only been since March, which is, you know, decades in in crypto time. But in in terms of this project, I can just see so many things being done with it. I, I, I mean, I'm just kind of salivating on all the things that people could utilize this for. So and I think it's brilliant, man. I mean, I, I had no concept until we started this conversation. I had an inkling, but I didn't it didn't really hit me, right? So I think that's part of it too. It's like, do you, yes, I know you want it out there in the, in the world for people to just use, but I think, you know, it needs its own Vitalik or its own Linus or, you know, saying here's where we're going with this. Yeah, look, you could be right. You could very much be right. I kind of, this is the other thing. I don't really... I'm not a long-term planner. I kind of just will throw features in there. There's just one feature which we're building on top of it now, which I'm hoping will showcase the, the value of it is essentially kind of a, a drops mechanism that sits on top of the power NFT mining. So if if you have another NFT that you're trying to get exposure for and you kind of want to pick it back off ours or just get involved, you kind of put it into this and then you say the conditions under which it is released. So you say like, cool, next person that mines uh, lithium ion, gets this thing oh and so it's a way seriously? of plugging in yeah so like that that plugs in the the other people's nfts into our into <sighs> our mining thing and i'm hoping that that will kind of showcase that it's not just for this like it's kind of a it's it's a randomness engine that people will drive that's fantastic when's that hitting soon it's basically done it's just so i've got i've got a, a partner on the project called ghost agent and he's I've done all the technical stuff. Like it all works perfectly, but it's just, I, I don't know how to make things look nice. So he's just got it and he's making it look nice. So that's uh, sooner rather than later, but maybe not by the time. It's well, I, okay. Well, that's, 
I can see all kinds of plays with that, man. That's I, I think you're sitting on a outer keg of power here, man. I just I, I see so many things. I'll I'll edit some of them, my stupid ramblings here, but I just see so many potential utilizations of this engine. Like and and I'm sure there's a million more I haven't even thought of that you've thought of and that you haven't even thought of, right? Because you've built something that's really powerful. And I had no concept. Real quick, yeah, I mean, could you could you see this? Could you see somebody using the mining capability for for some kind of hybrid blockchain? Oh, that's probably beyond my technical chops to answer that one. Yeah. Oh wait. So what do you mean by hybrid? You don't mean cross chain or? No, no, no. I mean like, like, like. Well, it would be its. I guess it would have to be its own chain. I, the reason I'm bringing this up because I I, lo I love all this crazy stuff that developers do on the side. There's this guy Dennison Bertram from Tally. They make the the proposal voting engine that all the the big DAOs use, right? And so he does all these. If you follow Dennison Bertram on Twitter, he does all these crazy side projects. And this is why this came into my head, and it's absolutely like totally a we're off on a tangent. But he built a blockchain on the subgraph like in his spare time just screwing around and some reason he had this crazy idea in his head that what if you could build a blockchain in the subgraph and he and he did i don't technically understand how he did it but to me it was just fascinating that i love when people will take on these things i love when tech gets used in ways that it wasn't intentionally to be used right i mean xml was that way for me and early in my career in the dot-com years so so when when I started thinking about this mining happening in a system, right? I was thinking, well, maybe there's a blockchain that actually the emissions are all, you know, we're all doing this yield farming, we're doing liquidity pools, we're doing all this other stuff and we've got proof of work and we got proof of stake and we've got delegated proof of stake. What if there's a way to actually allow normal human beings in their browser to be the the mining operation for a blockchain, right? Or maybe there's an entire chain that it's not regular tokens, it's all NFTs. I I, I don't know. I'm just throwing out crazy yeah. ideas. It is interesting though, because so there are there there's actually an important reason why there is a mint cost included in this, not just not just the mining, because if you make it pure mineable, like if you make if you make no part of the part of the work required to be some payment, then it's just going to be like an ecosystem ruled by miners. So theoretically right now, if you had some beast of a mining rig, there's some server farm in China that could, you know, mine one of these in a second because they've right. got just more processing power in. But that's why you have these dual sort of disincentives to acquire I love it. the mining and the thing. And then similarly, it's also why like, it, it's the opposite of, Right now, with a with a normal thing, you can just show up with a, as a whale and just grab them all. So yeah, yeah, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes total but, sense. I, yeah, I'm glad but a whale with a mining rig can still destroy this. Yeah, I got you. Oh, I got you. But they'd have to yeah. pay for it. Yeah, right? that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, then they're speculating on the value of the NFT later. Yeah. yeah. In order to do that, but at the end, yeah. but the other side of that is, is, uh, I mean, maybe there's maybe there's a play where it actually makes it sense for someone to be a part of mining a chain for NFTs because, and they're willing to pay for it because ultimately 
the end value of that. I just, I see so many uses for this engine, man. I just, I, 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 I'm sur I am surprised that more people haven't like taken it and run with it. I guess you just need more people aware of it. I don't think no one knows about it. We haven't, we didn't do any marketing at all. Like I, I cause I mean, part of it's just cause I gave away all the money to, to the token holders, but, but I didn't think it needed it. I sort of thought that there's incentives enough for the, for people who know about it to share it. So I, I just told my immediate friends, family and that's how it grew so well yeah, the drop functionality I, I think the drop functionality is going to get people's attention right i mean if you think about this way somebody that wants to promote something right they announce that actually there may be some good partnerships for you there is is talking to some other projects about announcing and dropping their nfts in with with the next series right so maybe you partner like with sushi or somebody else to do a series where they drop in a number of nfts in for people that actually come over here and mine this thing. That's that could be pretty cool. So next is drops. Do you have other kind of planned out functionality for this thing? It's just kind of, people have been bothering me for basically since the start. So like, can you can we make molecules with our atoms? Which like fair enough, that's a natural <laughs> thing to want. But like technically, I don't find that very interesting as a challenge. Like right, you know, it's like oh, it's just gonna be a bunch of like grading graphics to combine these other graphics that we made. Like. Didn't find that super interesting. Right, right now, there's this really weird like fad on NFTs, which I don't like. I understand the tech, but I don't really understand the appeal of these text-based NFTs. So some of you listeners might have seen them. The biggest one is Loot, and it's yep. just kind of like it, it generates these like text textual squares. And it, to be fair, like the the way it's coded is quite clever. Like it's all done on chain using sort of base sixty four stuff. So very clever. The, the person made it like full credit. But I was like, oh wait a second, maybe. <laughs> If this is my way to knock this out. Maybe I can do this without having to worry about that. So just this week in my in my evenings, I've been essentially building that. Like it's just gonna be an NFT. If you own a bunch of atoms, you can just come here and mint the specific molecules based on what you nice. hold. It's it's not it's not super innovative. It's just gonna be something fun. Like I'm not gonna charge them for it. It's like free to do, you know, if you if you can let them decide on the relative scarcities of the different ones, you know, if you wanna be if you if you're the only guy who has the right atoms to make like that's like h2o not that because that's common but like h2o like you can choose to mint one of them and sell it or you can mint a hundred of them like you control the scarcity so i don't think it's it'll satisfy them i think it was actually really interesting to dig my you know to dig my teeth into the 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 tech behind these this particular problem because it did have its own challenges right so that will probably i'll launch that tomorrow tomorrow night <laughs> friday night Great. Um, <laughs> well so let me ask you a question: Is the the generative engine for the music and the and the uh, video, the the animations, is that also something you could make accessible to people to utilize to launch projects on your primary engine? So the music, I would not because Squid because of what we talked about. With, yeah. So essentially, he was. Like we talked about this with like because obviously he put a lot of work into this and he's he's a he's a he's, it's his bread and butter to create music sure music so I kind of spoke to him about like how do you feel about like the rights behind this music because there are some musical NFTs who do not who like retain the the rights to that music even though you buy the token so we kind of agreed like he he was happy to give the rights to any given track to the person who owns the token. But it didn't really include handing over the the code that it created. Sure. So I, I mean, I to to me like that's his like his work. Like I mean, I had a partner, but you know, he's 
I've basically given all that code to him, so that's not mine to hand out. The the visual code, uh, it's so not because it's not using any libraries. I don't know how usable it is to anyone else. Like it's, Got it. it's just now. I wondered uh, if there's. I wondered if there was a a platform play where people could come in and bring in the generative art elements, come in and bring in the generative musical elements, and then your engine generates them and then allows it to use the mining capabilities for 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 distribution. Like you, then you become kind of this marketplace of generative NFTs utilizing browser mining. Yeah, I mean that's a good idea. I'm gonna write down. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> because then you know, then it really blows up because now you become a place where creatives can come in, work together, combine, and and build these into the system, and then have this cool play. I mean, I think it kind of pushes what your goal was. Which is getting people to be more reasonable about how they distribute NFTs. So that's kind of what yeah. I think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing on the loop project, you know, I think one of the things that's interesting is is you're writing this molecule generation thing. What I found so fascinating about the loot project, because I didn't climb into the tech of it, is is the bottom up approach. Right. We have these things. And now we're we I want you to go build a game on top of it, or I want you to go build something else on top of it. And to me, that's really fascinating. Giving people kind of core engine and tools to actually build something on top of it is um, is really pretty cool to me. Yeah. So anyway, all right, man. Well, listen, I, I you got a fan. I I love what you've. I, I this is brilliant. I mean, really brilliant. I I'm gonna play probably play with it far too much today because it's, it's now that I fully understand it. We had this chance to talk. I, it's it's pretty amazing. Thanks, man. I yeah. No, nah, it's I I love talking to brilliant people. What one of the questions I ask everybody is, who do you think, or what projects do you think, are that you greatly admire or that you think are really critical to kind of crypto DeFi NFTs? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I'm very detached from the space. <laughs> yeah. I am like the least active, like I do not read crypto Twitter. I will read an EIP when it like reluctantly <laughs> leaves draft, but like <laughs> I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even name five people I know in crypto wow. that aren't my direct friends. What about historically? Like, or are you think there were innovations that have occurred that you've utilized or seen utilized that you think? Oh, were... there are no, no, totally right. I'm not suggesting that I did all this myself. I no, no, no. Yeah, no, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just curious if um, there's something that you go, oh, wow, that guy was brilliant, you know? There definitely are, but I couldn't name. Them. I mean, I know. <laughs> I, I, I literally, I'm not exaggerating. I know. I know Vitalik's name, and he's obviously a genius. But I just, I we'll go with Vitalik. Yeah, let's just give props to Vitalik. I don't. There we go. That's a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> the only people that'll that'll argue with you are Bitcoin maximalists. So I think you're good. <laughs> I think you're good. <laughs> How can tell? Give us the contacts on Twitter and on. Uh, the web for getting in here and playing with this thing because people are gonna people oh, are yeah. gonna go nuts for it. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the Twitter is just uh, Pow NFT, like at P O W N F T, and the site is www.pownft.com. So 
super awesome. easy. Oh yeah, Discord. Discord. Yeah, I, I, there's a link from the Twitter. I don't know the Discord. Yeah, yeah, because it's nobody yeah. knows their Discord link. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Really appreciate your time, man. I'm really blown away by this. I can't wait to see what you do next with it. So I appreciate you coming on. Fantastic, man. Great to talk to you. So I ran a little late getting this episode out, but I guess I was a little over the top being a fanboy for this technology and for what Andrew has created, but I was really, truly blown away by it. And listening to it again, I am simply amazed by what he created. And in a relatively short period of time, I really hope that everyone out there will go give this thing a shot. I think it has potential uses um, across the ecosystem, especially in the NFT space. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, please subscribe, rate, review, tweet about it, tell your friends about it. We're trying to spread financial freedom. And thanks for listening. Have a great day.